chilies, applebees, mini testas, not your average Joes. So what's it going to be? What's on your mind right now is probably the restaurant of choice after fire tonight. You're probably thinking, who are you going to sit with? And what are you going to order? By the way, Friday is coming. Lunchtime. Will it be McDonald's, D'Angelo's, Subway? Or will you pack your lunch first thing in the morning and bring it with you to work? Chances are, food is often found running through your head. Definitely rumbling in your stomach. That's something that we can't control and it's something that often plagues us, especially when those hunger pangs kick in. It wasn't too long ago that Snickers had a really great commercial out there. Remember the football player? And he was really hit with hunger and it said, when he woke up, who are you? And he said, I'm Batman. And he needed a Snickers break to get a little energy. Well, we've been talking about spiritual guides. In the last couple of weeks, we introduced this new series. And two weeks ago, we looked at who are the voices, who are the guides in your life that you're listening to. And maybe you have positive people that influence you in good ways. And there's probably some voices that get your ear that actually distract you and send you down a not-so-favorable path. Well, that first week, we kicked off this whole discernment of trying to find out who are the voices, who are the people, whether they're past or present, that are pouring into you. And seek out those that really want to have you have a good, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can grow and mature in the Holy Spirit, read Scriptures, discern what they mean, and live them out as God has created you to be a human being. We also talked about prayer. and We introduced the whole concept that people that have gone before us have greatly benefited by having creative opportunities to pray. Whether they're formal times like we had tonight as Joanne led us through a body of prayer. And then again, we heard through prayer, through worship and reflection. You might be able to take a walk and go through the woods and pray out to God. You may do it with a community of other people. And then last week, we looked at guides that have talked about how we need to rejoice and have a great spirit and be able to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And we shared about that in our life communities. In fact, some of the life communities got so taken up by this that it was like party central around here. And that's a type of celebratory spirit that we want to have. Well, I'm just curious. When I introduce tonight about the thought of food, there is something that we need to discuss. Because there's kind of a culture here in America that we're entitled to feast whenever we can. In fact, have you noticed how the supermarkets have already prepared us for fall, which leads into winter? It's like first the candy hits us for Halloween. And then all of a sudden you see the pecan pies and the pumpkin pies. And we know that we've got to start eating more so we can expand our waist because Thanksgiving's coming. And I don't know about you, but that uncomfortable feeling when you've had your fourth or fifth serving of turkey, cranberry jelly, and maybe sweet potato, it really kind of gets you. And you've got to kind of fight off the urge to have your next serving. And then Christmas comes, that special roast, and maybe some fun chocolate pie or chocolate tort afterwards. Food is so much of our culture and cultures around the world what would some spiritual guides have to say on us? Would they want us to go and eat and eat often and frequently and as much as we can? Or perhaps there's something that they have learned and that is to put aside food, 
the time that we take to eat and sacrifice that time so that we can have a more intimate relationship with God and allow the Lord to see our time of absence to refresh us and revive us. It's interesting, as I was preparing for time, I ran across uh, a study guide by Jan Johnson, Simplicity and Fasting, and she writes in that study guide, while feasting on Christ may intrigue you, fasting may put you off. But you don't have to be Olympic skill. You might begin by fasting from people, solitude, conversation, silence, spending, frugality, media, or using your cell phones. She could be on to something. One of the things that I decided to do was to see what people are saying about fasting. Because it seems in our culture of Christianity, there's not much being said about fasting. It's almost like a lost discipline that people did years and years ago. Why has it faded? Or perhaps, why is it on a resurgence? So I thought it would be really helpful to actually get the video camera out and go out and talk to people. Well, the first thing I did, I said, let's not do it in the church setting. Let me just go and talk to kind of 20s and 30s something out there in the community. So I found myself at Panera Bread, and I saw these two lovely ladies sitting there. They're probably 22, maybe 24. And I walked over and I said, I'm doing a video survey. Would you mind answering a couple questions? They said, no problem, that's fine. I said, have you ever heard of Mohammed, Jesus, you know, or uh, other people in religious figures? And I named about five or six others. And they said, no. I was taken back. I said, Gandhi? No. I said, okay, all right. I said, um, have you ever heard about fasting? How some people that are religious fast. And one of the two said, yes. I said, what can you tell me about fasting? I've just heard about it. <laughs> and the other gal said, I don't know, but I'm not going in front of the camera. I said, okay, that's fine. How about you? And she said, I'm camera shy too. And I said, that's okay. Thank you. And I went on to the next one. And here's this guy working on his computer. And he's probably t connected to Wi-Fi and doing some work. And I said, can, can I interrupt you for a second? He said, sure. I said, um, I'm a minister at a local church and I'm just asking people about fasting. I said, have you heard about Mohammed and Jesus, you know, and Gandhi? And he said, yes. And I said, do you know that they fasted? And he said, no, I, I didn't know that. I said, do you know anything about fasting? And he said, well, I, I know that some people long ago would kind of not eat food on certain days. I said, yeah, that, that's a good answer. I said, have you ever fasted? He said, no, I would never fast. Why would I do that? I said, thanks for your answer. You know, and I asked a couple of other people and I, I found out that a lot of people out there have no concept of what fasting is. Or let, a go, uh, let alone letting go of something that they take for granted every day. So then I said to myself, where could I get some help and get maybe some insights? I said, I know, I'll go to the seminary and I'll ask some seminarians Okay, what they know about fasting. And it's interesting, Justin actually was able to be free and help me with this. And here's some pointers from seminarians for us to look at. Side note before we continue. Okay, you can clap. My side note is, as you can see, with not only our surge protector issues tonight, but our 
quality of our media presentation on that video. If you have any gifts in that area and would like to help us, we'd love for you to do that. Talk to anyone in the back or you can see me. All right. Now, if you're like me, when I first heard someone talk about fasting, you're probably saying, fasting? What's this all about? Why do some Christians fast and other Christians don't and never talk about it? You're probably saying, what exactly does fasting mean? Fasting is an opportunity to give something up, to surrender, to let go of, to abdicate, to reject, to put a hold on something so that you can actually say, Lord, you've given me these things, I give them back to you, and I want to just remain open to you. I want to be available to you in your prompting. And as that opening quote that I share with you, that it does not always have to be food. It could be that you stop watching television for a week. It could be that you're not going to I am anyone or use your, your text messaging. It might mean that you're not going to buy any new clothes for a certain period of time. It means that what you want to do is take the things that God has given you, whether you're in control of them or you take them for granted, and you're saying, Lord, I don't want to have this as a distraction. I don't want to have it as something that I crave, long for, or have to manipulate to have. I want to be free from that so I can freely experience you without that in my life. It's giving yourself a chance to try and experiment with your relationship with God so that He can encourage you, strengthen you, and actually show you how much He provides for you. Because it's interesting, as people fast, specifically a food fast, when they only drink water or maybe fruit for a day or three days, maybe a week or longer, your body may go through some hunger pains. But what's really amazing is you start to experience a fast and you really take that time that you would take to eat, prepare the food, and kind of enjoy it along the way. You can have that same enjoyment, that same experience by taking that time to pray and not sit around the table and eat food, but instead sit face to face to the Lord and experience your Maker for who He is. It's it's quite compelling when you look back into history and you realize all the people that fast. Richard Foster talks about the list of biblical personage who fasted. It reads like a who's who of Scripture. Moses, the lawgiver. David, the king. Elijah, the prophet. Esther, the queen. Daniel, the seer. Anna, the prophetess. Paul, the apostle. Jesus Christ, the incarnate son. Many of the great Christians throughout church history fasted in witness to its value. Among them were Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, David Bernard, Charles Finley, and Pastor Xi of China. People currently that fast and have done extended fasts, Bill Bright, uh, he had an amazing experience that I'm going to unpack for you a little bit. Um, downtown George Chester Temple, Bruce Wall did a 40-day fast for the city of Boston where he was asking the Lord to reveal to him and his church what they could do to meet the needs of those in Dorchester. And if you're not aware, Dorchester is often in the media and it's not for favorable things. Another shooting, another person found dead in the gutter, frozen to death or whatever. And he wants to see God use him in his church in a powerful way. And he took 40 days to fast. 
Now you're probably saying, wait a minute, I like what the seminarian said. I can do a short-term fast. I can experiment with that. But 40 days, that's got to be for the real hardy Christian. We're going to look at both ones, okay, and kind of explain them. But one of the main purposes of fasting, Robert Mulholland says, one of the main purposes of fasting is to wean us from the dependence upon God's gifts and enable us to become dependent upon God alone. See, what happens so often is when we get everything that we need, and I really believe a lot of us have everything we need. You may not realize this, but you have shelter over your head, you have food to eat, clothes to wear, people to be in community with. Really, you're well off. We're well off. God has showered us with amazing blessings. But what happens is when He showers our blessings on us, we don't realize how good we've got it. And sometimes we need to have our whole thinking process rewired so that one, we can do what we practiced last week, and that is to thank God through celebration of all that He does for us. Thank you for the option to be able to pick a Chili's over an Applebee's. Thank you for the option of McDonald's versus Subway. Thank you for the nice clothes, the, the shampoo I use. Thank you for all the things that you give me every single day. And one of the ways to develop an even greater appreciation of God's blessing is to actually put a hold on what you do, your regular practice, and the fast, to abstain and allow the Lord to really remain constant, sovereign, in control over your life. You're relinquishing your own control for that. Richard Foster has a good comment for us for those that are probably saying fasting is not for me or I don't understand how that works. Regular or weekly fasting has had such a profound effect in the lives of some that they have sought to find a biblical command for it so that it may be urged upon all Christians. The search is in vain. There simply are not biblical laws that command regular fasting. Our freedom in the gospel, however, does not mean license. It means opportunity. Since there are no laws to bind us, we are free to fast on any day. Freedom for the Apostle Paul meant that he was engaged in fastings often. We should always bear in mind the Apostolic Council. Do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Just to unpack that last piece a little bit. Fasting may not be for you. It may not be God's prompting to have you engage in a fast. It may be for your friend. And you may be called to pray as he or she begins a fast that God will meet her, encourage him, and walk, and really speak truth, wisdom, discernment. But maybe God is saying to you, you've never fasted before. You've never let go of something that you've held so dear or you've always had in your life. I'd like you to really experience something new. Something challenging. Something for you. It might be that you fast one meal. It might mean that you fast for a whole day, the daylight hours of a meal. It could mean that you're going to try an extended fast, a fast for a week, or maybe a long-term fast. And you're probably saying, okay, Lord, I could maybe try a long-term fast only after Christmas. I can't, can't do that right now with all the holidays coming. But Lord still could be prompting you to encounter Him in a new and unique way. I'd like to look at Isaiah, actually, and see what the prophet recorded as God instructed the people of that time. 
Isaiah 58, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read them and then I'm going to explain them a little bit through one of the books that I read. First, it's kind of one of the, the, the opportunities that we have as we read this scripture to realize that Jesus Christ summarized this passage and I'm going to come to that in a minute. But here is Isaiah. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it not? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and asses? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Now, what was going on is people got so accustomed to the practice of fasting, they let everyone else know, hey, I'm fasting today. I'm not going to eat any food. I'm going before the Lord. Look at me. I'm being a really high and mighty religious man, high and mighty religious woman. I'm not going to fast. And you get so caught up into it. And what happens is the natural hunger actually kicks in and you get weak. You're not trusting on the Holy Spirit to fill you so that they got done with the fast and they went home and they said, what's wrong with this house? Why is everything a mess? And they started to kick the dog and they took advantage of everything and they got really upset because they weren't trusting on God's strength. They were relying on their own human need, wants, or desires. Pride kicked in. It became a cultural practice and not an intimate opportunity to be free before the Lord. And and God had to rebuke them. But then God continues in this and actually explains to them why there is the opportunity to come before Him in a fast. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Can you see the perspective change? It goes from a person culturally trying to fast because that's what they're instructed to do or want everyone to see that they're fasting to an opportunity to let God work through you. Not only to benefit you in the fast, but the people around you. Elmer Towns, the author of Fasting for Spiritual Breakthrough, I'll tell you, this is a fantastic book about fasting. If you want to uh, borrow it or look at it, you can let me know and we can take it out from Gordon Conwell again. Uh, just a really, really good guide about uh, knowledge of different times of fastings and different peoples that have fasted and everything else. Well, he looks at this passage out of Isaiah and he sees nine different ways that we can try and fast. And I thought it would be good to just kind of walk through them for you and unpack them a little bit. The first fast he describes is the disciples' fast out of Isaiah 58.6, to loose the bands of wickedness, freeing ourselves and others from addictions to sin. For example, 
Some people might be fighting lust, impurities, or bitterness. What is the sinful nature that has a grip on you? I'll tell you, as a men's pastor, I see internet pornography has a huge stronghold on people today. And people try and break through of that. And one of the wonderful opportunities that a disciple, a man, or a woman has is actually fast and say, Lord, I'm helpless. I can't do it anymore. I've tried the self-help books. I've tried to be honest with people. i got accountability partners, but nothing's working. I just submit a whole day, a whole week before you, abstaining from food so that I can just bear my whole soul before you. I want to be pure. I want to be renewed. I want to be holy. And the Lord meets people that way and releases them from the bondage of sin or ungodly behavior. The second one is the Ezra fast to undo the heavy burdens, to solve problems, inviting the Holy Spirit's aid and lifting loads and overcoming barriers that keep ourselves and our loved ones from walking joyfully with the Lord. Examples could be special problems. For example, should I take this job or not? Should I continue in this relationship or not? I have to share a little bit about myself when it comes to fasting. And it often came when it was in a relationship when I was with a woman. In fact, it was really heavy on my heart when I was dating my wife, Mary, and we dated for a year, and I was really feeling this uneasiness, this uncertainty. Was I in the relationship because I was in it because I was with Mary? Or I was in the relationship because I was with a woman. And it didn't matter which woman. So I ended up breaking up with Mary. Because I needed to free myself from the relationship to discern God's will. And I entered into fasting. And I said, Lord, I've been holding on to this relationship so tightly. I realize I can't do that anymore. I let go of it. And I release Mary to you. And I give you back my heart without her as a distraction to really discern what you want to do with me and with her. And I fasted. And I'm not saying every time you fast, you get clarity. You get a clear answer. It's picture perfect for you. But I do know this. After two weeks of being apart, I went back to see Mary. And Mary said to me, I'm willing to talk to you under one condition. I said, what's that? She said, only if you're red hot chili peppers for me Will I consider talking to you? Because I don't want this wishy-washiness anymore. And God had revealed to me that she was the right person. And we would be good together. So that's an example of actually specifically asking the Lord. The third one, the Samuel fast. To let the oppressed, both physically and spiritually, go free. For revival and soul winning. To identify with people everywhere, enslaved, literally, or by sin, and to pray to be used of God to bring people out of the kingdom of darkness and into God's marvelous light. I mentioned Bill Bright. Bill Bright, in 1985, actually decided to do an extended 40-day fast. And as he entered the fast, he understood God was really calling him to do this long fast. But he didn't know why God was calling him to do the fast. And day 27, the Lord revealed to him. He said, pretty much, I want you to gather Christian leaders from all over, mainly America, but hopefully around the world, 
and I want you to gather them together in Florida, which he did do in 1985, and I want you to gather them for a time of prayer and fasting because prayer and fasting go so well together. As you get hungry, Lord, I'm giving you my food as a sacrifice today. This hunger pain reminds me of why I'm fasting. May I just call on you now. May you steady my mind, calm my stomach. It allows that intimate, ongoing connection. Well, here's Bill Bright in Florida with more leaders than he expected. Show up. And all they were doing was praying for the Lord to show them how revival could take place in America. Coming revival. America's call to fast, pray, and seek God's face. Great book if you ever want to read more about how God used Bill Bright. And more importantly, used everyone that descended in Florida for that corporate time of prayer and fasting. The Elijah fast, to break every yoke, conquering the mental and emotional problems that would control our lives and returning the control to the Lord. Maybe it's crippling fears you're facing or mental problems, depression, anxiety. Here's your chance to say, Lord, I don't know why. I, I, I just can't feel at peace at work. I, I know that you want me here, but it's just outside my comfort zone every single day that I'm at work. I just have no peace here. Fast about it. Pray. Ask other people while you're doing that to pray for you and to seek God's wisdom together. Maybe it's the Lord is giving you unease so that you can move outside and start a new job or a new career or enter a new field. The widow's fast. To share our bread with the hungry and to care for the poor, to meet the humanitarian needs of others. I know when Mike McDaniel was with us, and the Lord really revealed to him that we should do a project down south, and other people in the group of fire were really praying about something, and also the Lord revealed to us that we should do something for the Katrina victims of the Hurricane Katrina. And a similar experience happened as as as. Lizzie was praying about and experiencing the Lord's call. Where should we go? And, and the Jordan came about. There are wonderful people out there that have incredible needs. And the best way to discern those needs and where fire, where the men and women in this community can serve ongoing or short-term project or maybe a long-term partnership, maybe we want to do a corporate fast together. And we want to fast and say, Lord, how can you use us to serve the needs of those that are less fortunate than us? The Daniel fast. Bring forth health and well-being to gain a healthier life or for healing. Maybe you've been sick. Maybe you've experienced something that was uncomfortable. Or your, your mother's sick. Or your best friend's going through a difficult illness. You can actually petition the Lord to say, Lord, I invite you to join me as I give up television, as I give up movies, as I give up the internet, as I give away extra clothes that I don't need. I just do this so that I can really be surrendered before you to hear your voice, to know how you want me to proceed. And I give you my whole body. I pray for relief and energy. I pray for new health and vitality. And I pray that for my friend or my family member. And I just ask that you do that. The John the Baptist fast. What your righteousness shall go before you, that our testimony and influence for Jesus will be enhanced before others. Examples might be integrity on the job, 
You want to be a righteous person that everyone respects in your workplace. It might be an openness at school. You want to be there for other people so that they will seek you out in times of crisis or ask your advice on things. You petition the Lord so that you can be the truth in other people's lives. And then number nine, the Esther fast. That the glory of the Lord will protect us from the evil one. In World War II, in the midst of the Battle of Britain, George IV designated Sunday, September 8, 1940, as a day of prayer and fasting. Churchill learned later that this was a huge turning point in the Battle of Britain. That one week later, they were able to regain strength and ward off the German attack. All because he found out a while after that time of prayer and fasting that Hitler postponed the attack by two days. When people get on their knees and humble themselves personally, in a community, or corporately, the Lord can do powerful things through us. But remember, it's not calling on the Lord to do a favor for you. It's not manipulating God to do something that will benefit or bless you. It's surrendering yourself because the Holy Spirit prompted you to fast in the first place. It's the prompting to actually let go, to surrender, to give up something that you have control on or take for granted so that that intimate relationship can be reestablished, renewed, and that a new sense of vibrant understanding of God's counsel, God's voice in your life can be heard. It's clutter reduced. It's distraction discarding. It's allowing you to hear uniquely God's counsel. There's four types of fasts. I just thought I'd quickly kind of review for you in case you didn't know that. Uh, there's the normal fast to go without something to abstain from or surrender. Uh, most oftentimes this is food. And when you do a food fast, you will drink water and or juice. There's the absolute fast. And this is for the really called by God, clear, anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's to abstain from everything. All food, all water, all juice. And that would not be for a long period of time because our body will actually have problems. And you should always consult a doctor before you do a long-term fast. You don't have to consult a doctor for three days or less. Your body will be okay. You will be okay if you fast. Okay? You'll be okay if you give up one meal and try that. You'll be okay if you try a day. You'll be okay if you try three days. But a week or longer, you may want to talk to your doctor and just ask about the whole preparation and how to go into a fast and how to come out of a fast. One of the best ways to come out of the fast is to drink juice and have fruits and vegetables and all that and then slowly get your body back into eating. The fourth one is the partial fast, to omit something from your life. Certain kinds of food, drink, hobbies, or clothes. You might do like one of the seminarians said, I didn't uh, eat lunch every single day of the week. I, I surrendered that time before the Lord. It might be that you, I hate to say this, you know, Give up skiing for the winter, okay? So that you can just take that money and that time and surrender to the Lord and say, this is your time, Lord, and these are the finances I would have spent on the fun recreational joy of skiing. I give them to you and let you use them for your kingdom. 
And then the fourth one, a rotational fast. Not doing and or eating things on certain days. Maybe you grew up in the Catholic tradition. The Catholics have done that really well. No fish on Friday or only fish on Friday. I always forget which that one works out. Okay, But it's that rotational schedule that we don't eat certain foods on certain days so that those days we can say that we know why we're giving up this food is to have a good talk with Christ and let Him speak to us. Fasting is the most tangible and practical way of surrendering to God and allowing the Holy Spirit more control over our lives. By giving up food, the very substance of life, during a fast, control over one's existence is surrendered and offered to the Lord. This came out of a, a new book that I found, uh, Disciplines of the Holy Spirit, How to Connect to the Spirit's Power and Presence by uh, Dr. Tan and Dr. Greg. And it's a really neat, new, refreshing look at some of the what we call spiritual disciplines or spiritual fitness routines. And it allows you to look at fasting in here and, and simplicity and solitude and other things. They also went on to say that through fasting we give up our appetites for food and other things we should to, that we take hold of or take for granted. As we break from the things that hold us, we give the Holy Spirit permission to change us so that we become appropriately disengaged from the world. Freed by the Holy Spirit from bondage to materialism, lust, gluttony, and greed, we experience more self-control and take deeper joy in our experience of God. Now, what I have found in the men and women of fire is a real, genuine hunger. There is really a revival going on. And I am just so blessed every time I talk to a man or woman in this group or someone that has come across a person of fire. Okay? And it is that God is working so powerfully in our lives that you can see it. There's the expression that we have at Grace Chapel and it's only because people have told us. And the expression is now being renewed here at FIRE. It's called the Grace Chapel Glow. Okay? And all that means is that there is the Holy Spirit anointing that His power fills the men and women that truly seek Him so that their whole persona changes. I have heard it here. New people come in and say, there's something different about this group. There's something different about the people. It's like they glow. They, they give off this warmth, this radiance. And what's interesting is we truly are trying to seek God more clearly and we want to see more people come to Christ and we want to see people make a commitment of their spiritual growth <coughs> so that there'll be an opportunity to lead and teach others, pray, to serve, whether it's serving here in fire or uh, your local church or, or serving the homeless or, or building homes for, for the homeless or the, the people that don't have a dwelling. What is that progression so that we're all growing together? Perhaps we need to step back and ask the Lord through a corporate fast, Lord, how do you want to do revival through us? How do you want to engage men and women, 20-something, 30-somethings, that are not growing, that are stifled, that are alone, feeling isolated. How do you want to reach those that got the world and everything that the world has to offer and they have all the toys and all the wonderful things that money can bring, but they're empty inside? 
God could be right now speaking to you to have an opportunity to fast and petition the Lord through prayer and understanding. But I want you to know that that in Christian circles, we get so caught up in the doing and not the being. I am not challenging any one of us to fast because JT had a message on fasting. I am not saying that you're an incomplete Christian because you have never fasted or not currently fasting. But what I think I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say through these sages, through the voices that I respect, is that if we want God's power, we need to listen to how to receive that. And one of the most powerful ways is to fast. And maybe it will be a short-term fast or an experimental fast, but maybe it will become regular. In my life, I've actually done a day, a week, for several years. But I find myself right now not doing that, even though I did fast recently. It's one of those things that there's not always a need to fast, but there are times where God places in your heart to fast for a specific purpose. I hope that you'll be open to that. There's one last quote that I want to read, and it's kind of an accountability quote, and it kind of reflects of what I just shared. Arthur Wallace said, A new generation is arising. There is a concern in the hearts of many for the recovery of apostolic power. But how can we recover apostolic power while neglecting apostolic practice? How can we expect the power to flow in if we do not prepare the channels? Fasting is a God-appointed means for the flowing of His grace and power that we can afford to neglect no longer. Richard Foster gave us a list of who's who that fasted in the Bible. He also shared some classic Christians that have fasted. There may be people in our community that have fasted recently or in the past. Chances are there's many of us who have not experienced fasting. What I can challenge you and I hold myself in this challenge, is that if you're ready and God is prompting you to fast, be ready to set aside, to surrender, to abstain from food or drink or cell phone or whatever He's calling you to give up so that you can focus on Him and Him alone and allow that to remain solely clear so that He will sustain you and allow the fast to be something that develops over time. And maybe the practice of fasting combined with prayer, anointed through a community like this, will allow you to grow in your faith in ways that you never dreamed of or expected. Because as you fast, know that we will be fasting at times. And maybe all together. And just on that all together part, there's two things that have happened here at Grace Chapel that are amazing. One is that when the young adult minister left Grace Chapel and I was a volunteer in the ministry, we corporately fasted. And during the fast period, Tom Van Antwerp was approached to apply for the position. It was amazing that that did not come to the reality of our understanding of the timeline until the candidate interview. When Tom came and interviewed before the volunteer and the elder board that 
was looking to hire a young adult minister, Tom went through the timeline and three of us went, oh my goodness, that's when we did the corporate fast. Same thing happened when Grace Chapel was without a senior pastor, when Gordon McDonald left. We did a corporate fast. We actually had outside the sanctuary walls these huge pieces of paper with different times throughout the day where people could pray and give up a meal. And we had the whole congregation sign up for a time slot. And we did this whole kind of like for a month time of prayer and fasting petition. And the elders were fasting and praying every Monday. And during that time, Brian Wilkerson was called to Grace Chapel. And God could not have blessed us more powerfully than bringing a humble man like him to our midst. So that's kind of food for thought, isn't it? So maybe the next time you think about going out to Chili's, Applebee's, Vinnie T's of Boston, or your Friday fast of a feast, whether it's McDonald's, Subway, or something you made that day, maybe you're going to stop and say, you know what? I'm not going to spend my money that way. I'm not going to give away my time that way. I'm going to instead do the most important thing and allow my heart, my body, my soul to be connected to God so I can focus on Him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You for tonight. Thank You so much for an opportunity to read Your Scripture, hear it sung, reflected in our lives. Thank You for the the real wisdom and discernment that comes from godly men and godly women that have found incredible spiritual growth through fasting. We pray, Lord, that You will reveal to us when and how and for how long to fast. And when we embark on that, we trust You to meet us in those times so that we will be shaped and molded cared for, empowered so that our lives will mark the fingerprints of Christ and your love will well up inside of us because we know how you fasted for 40 days, Jesus, in the desert and you taught that you will not be sustained on bread alone but on your Father's will. That's our heart, our longing, our spiritual cry is to survive completely on You and have nothing else have a hold on us. We cry this out in Your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Have a great night. If you have any questions about this, uh, we'll be available. We're going to continue the spiritual guides next week. And I really pray that God will meet you each and every day. Dismissed.